0: All right, thank you. I know, I know you're expecting Pastor Steve. Uh, so was I this morning. And so uh, I get a, he, he called in sick. So he calls me this morning, and uh, says, Josh, I, I, I can't I can't do the service this morning. I'm so I'm so sorry. I'm like oh, that's, a, that's a good one, Steve. That's real funny because he's, he's he's like no, I'm serious. Oh, all right. So, uh, so yeah, he's supposed to be here, but he he called in sick. So you got me. All right. Um, last week, if you weren't here, Pastor Steve talked about um, uh, the fear of not having enough, and so I'm, I'm going to pick up on that. And I got to figure out some stuff to say because again, this is kind of a little bit of a last minute. But uh, so what am I going to talk about this morning? Uh, I got I got these new shoes. This is my new shoes. You like them? Check them out. This is my new shoes. They're Steve Madden's. Um, I have expensive taste. Yeah, I have a really expensive taste, but I'm, I'm also really cheap, so it's problematic. So I got these new shoes, and, you know, man, if I had lots of money, I'd look really nice. But uh, yeah, I got them on sale at an outlet, so I didn't didn't break the bank. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, think, yeah, I look nice. Um, so I don't have a lot of shoes, unlike some other people, but, um, I, <laughs> 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 all right. Anyway, I'm going to just keep going. Well, not, I'm not going to look in this direction over here. <laughs> I no. <laughs> <I> not <don't. laughs> so Anyway, okay. Sorry. But Pastor Steve talked about the fear of not having enough. And sometimes we have, I don't have enough of this. I don't have enough of that. Um, but the big one of course is I don't have enough money and who's going to provide for me it's the fear of provision right like I, I don't have a retirement well, who's going to take care of me when I'm old and, and so we have all of these uh, natural innate fears that, that plug us and we worry about them and we fret about them and we do busy stuff to try to make us feel better about them and Master Steve's um, uh, he came up with this commitment card and I think it's great I'm all on board for it, and what he told me that I was going to be doing is <laughs> that uh, uh, if you want to get beyond this, this fear of not having enough, myself and Pastor and Steve, we're going to join with you in prayer for an entire year, and so we'll have him finish it off next week if he's feeling better. Uh, but So you've got another week to pray about it, and the concept is, okay, I'm going to pray about um, how I'm going to give. And I think that this is actually going to work out today because I think there is some issues that keep us living in fear, the fear of not having enough. And there's some things that, that, that are natural about us, how we, how we handle money and how we handle time. And, but, of course, you know, we're, not, we're going to be talking about money. I, I, really, I don't like talking about money from the pulpit. That's why we had Pastor Steve do it. But actually, he he offered. He says, "This is what I like to do. I says, what do you want to talk about?" He's like, "This is what I want to talk about." I'm like, "All right, I'm glad I don't have to do it. So, take it. So, it, isn't it ironic, huh?" So, I'm going to be talking about the fear of not having enough money. And uh, there's there's three things that I want to get across that keep us living in that fear. They're, they're symptoms to our our, our natural man or natural person. One thing is um, we have this tendency to think that God owes us. We think that we can buy God, number two, that God owes us, that we think that we can buy God, number two. And number three, we, we, we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to give The whole bigger picture is we don't know how to do a lot of things on our own. We don't know how to love well. We don't know how to give well. We don't know how to faith well. There's a lot of things that we don't know how to do. And uh, giving is one of them. And the reason why it's hard is because it's not our nature. Right? Ask Charles Darwin. Right? Right? It's, it's kill or be killed in, in, this, in, our, in our culture, our, our natural person. It's survival of the fittest. So it is not in our innate nature to give well or know how to give. We give with strings attached. We, we give in order to get something back. It's, it, we give under conditions. We do it with money. We do it with relationships. Um, I'm going to plug the marriage course again because it's not too late to jump in on Wednesday nights. I, I sat in on it. It's the same concept with money as it is with relationships. If you enter into a relationship, I learned this on Wednesday nights. This is good material. You need to come. If you enter into a relationship in order to get something out of it, in other words, you want that other person to make you feel good, to make you happy. It, well, you got maybe six months, a year, and then you're back. You're just the relationship is not going to make you feel better. It is that inward peace. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. This is um, one of my key life verses. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed uh, you're concerned for me. indeed, you have been concerned, but you have no opportunity to show it. Uh, Philippians chapter four, verse 10. I'm going to skip down to verse 12. "I know what it is to be in need. How many people know what it is to be in need? I don't know. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Other translations say I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Maybe we all ought to repeat that one. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All things. And I'm going to skip all the way near the end. Verse 19. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Jesus Christ. So here is one of the key promises of the Bible. My God will meet your needs. Not just some of them. Not just the ones that, that you didn't mess up on. But I will meet my God will meet all of your needs all of them according to his glorious riches and so this is the this is what we don't get we don't understand this verse we don't quite comprehend it or understand it it hasn't sink and hasn't sunk into our hearts, and we live in this we live in this this tension that all right i'm a I'm, and I've done this. so I'm speaking from experience. I'm a good boy. Therefore, God owes me. I did this because I did, I did moral Christianity through junior high and high school. I was the good moral kid. And then I try to figure out, okay, I have been good. Therefore, God owes me. Have you done this? Don't do this. Just, just, just trust me on this one. God doesn't owe you a thing. Oh, I, I've, I've given so much money to the Lord. Therefore, God owes me that hundredfold that the scriptures talk about. Mm. I have served so much and faithfully and diligently, and and, and it's been my time. I do more than Sabbath. I, I give blood, sweat, tears, time, energy, skills. Why hasn't God healed my physical body? God owes me that. Okay. See, this is this is carnal thinking. This is this is a this is a this is a Darwin mindset. God doesn't owe you a dang thing. He's a giver, not some debtor. He gives freely. You didn't earn anything. He doesn't owe you. And this is a hard concept to get across. And you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, you know, One of the friends of our house, Jake Hamilton, he lives here. Because this guy, you've heard, you've heard his prophetic words. They're all pretty much right on for our church. I haven't heard any negatives at all. Powerful words from God for our church. Powerful man of God that functions in not only in the prophetic, but functions in healing. Yet he deals with a daughter that has a disability. But his mindset is, God does not owe me a thing but I'm going to continue to walk in faith and believe for her healing. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. But this is, a, this is the secret. This is, the, this is one of the, the, the hang-ups that we get into. And and part of the problem is, what, what's our church about? What, I mean, okay, if you went through the one-on-one, you hear from the pulpit quite a bit. This is uh, the mission. This is our vision. This is who we are. This is, we, we, we talk about this all the time, is that, Granite Creek is about relationship and not religion. So we're constantly in this in this tension in our minds to make sure that we don't fall into religion. We don't fall into systematic worship. That we don't fall into something that, 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 that you know, I, I perform, therefore God blesses me. I give, therefore God blesses me. So we don't fall into, you know, uh, counting beads. You, you see what I'm saying? We don't fall into... Uh, you know, systematic karma religion. We have to continue to maintain grace. Christian faith done right is different than any other religion because it's it's not works-driven, it's grace-driven. And we have to continue to say, okay, it's about the relationship with God. It's about the intimacy with the Lord and not about... Doing busy work type stuff to make God happy, not trying to gain His favor or gain, you know, make sure that He likes us. The the story, for sake of time, um, it's it, we talked about it just recently. It's the Mary and Martha story. You know what? I should just read it, huh? Let's read it. Luke chapter ten, uh, chapter ten, verse thirty-eight. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to the village where a woman named Martha opened her home. She and her sister called Mary, uh, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? you ever said that one? Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? You tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. Martha, Martha. <laughs> you are worried and upset about many things. and stop there. You are worried and upset about many things. This is getting back into the, that fear of not having enough, or the fear of not pleasing God, or the fear of not 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 looking good and, with your family and your friends or at work. You're worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken from her. Okay, so there's there's a contrast here. The contrast between Mary and Martha is that one is doing is working and the other one is sitting at the feet. Uh, you it's good to be a servant, right? It's better to be a lover. Martha is a servant, and Mary is a lover. Martha is after pleasing God. She wants knowledge. She wants information. She wants to stack the deck in her favor. She's giving Jesus snacks that he didn't ask for. Mary is sitting at the feet, and she's just soaking it all in. She's, cho- she's choosing to love well. She's kind of forgetting about, okay, I've got to do all these things to please you. One of the things that we do uh, that with the tension in our Christian faith is that we feel like like we have to memorize the Bible in order for God to love us. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever had this insecurity that, okay, I'm not the Bible scholar I don't project myself to be that religious person, and I feel really guilty about it. You ever feel this way? And, and all God is saying, you just need to, cho- you need to choose the better path, which is you just need to have a relationship with me and not, re- not religion with a book. That sounds really scary, doesn't it? That, re- that sounds really scary. We don't worship the Bible, we worship Jesus. The Bible is information and it is God's divinely spoken word to us that we are to consume. We are to take it with wisdom and knowledge. Meaning that we open the book and we get the information, we pour it into our heads, but it does not stop at information. All right, you've seen this before. If you've been around for a little bit, I did this a while back. So this is the this is the complete idiot's guide to Mako, right? It tells me everything I need to know about Mako. She's Italian, Sicilian, Hungarian. Uh, she's an incredible cook. Uh, she's really smart. She has a master's degree. You know. It, if I'm in the doghouse, you bring her some cupcakes. It's things like that. It's the very practical things about knowing who Mako is and knowing what makes her tick. I can get my Ph.D. in Mako, but it doesn't mean that I have an intimate relationship with her. It doesn't mean that I love her. It doesn't mean that, that we have engaged in something that is beyond knowledge. We have engaged each other in wisdom. Do you see the difference? I can know everything that there is to know about Mako, but it doesn't mean that I know may go. And the same is true with God. And what he wants, desperately what he wants, is he wants relationship with us on a deep level. And he wants to strip away all of these fears that keep us from growing and giving. And you see, once we get to the point where we're able to sit at his feet, uh... If he tells us to get him some snacks, we're going to get him some snacks. The the obedience isn't task-oriented. The obedience comes out of love. Do you you see the difference? Lovers get more work done than task-oriented workers do. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is, this is part of the heart. And see, we don't, have, we don't have that heart inside of us. Again, we're carnal, we're natural, and we just, we just don't think that it works that way. We think that God owes us. Second point is that we have a tendency, again, this goes into religion. This is religion, pure and simple. Not pure and unadulterated religion, which takes care of widows and orphans, but like religion is you buy, you buy your way into God. You buy God's favor. You can't buy God. And I've been doing church my entire life. I have seen a lot of people try to buy God. It doesn't work. When I first uh, when I first became when I first got on staff, and it was the you know the business administrator here at the church, and um, um this person does not go here. Hasn't gone here in a long time, but this individual. Uh, quit giving their offering in the basket. And he would walk it in on Tuesday or Wednesday to have a conversation with Pastor. He was the biggest giver in the church. Like, a big giver. Like, paid electric bills and things. And he wanted to talk about the songs that were sung. Because his wife wanted a certain song sung. And so he just wanted to buy it. <laughs> um. The unfortunate, not the unfortunate, but the character of your senior pastor is, that doesn't work. Just, you, just, you just put that in the offering as the Lord directs you. And we're not going to sing that old song anymore. The anointing is off of it. It was, it was off 20 years ago. and It's still off. It might have a comeback someday. But, but you see, you can't do that. You can't buy God's affections no more than you can buy the affections of a woman. You can't, right? You can try. You can go down to Holt and try and buy the affections of a woman. And that that sounds really bad? I'm sorry. But but do you understand but you see the the point of the whole thing? I'm sorry. One of the uh, look, I I I didn't. I had like half an hour to prepare this message, so uh, give me a little bit of grace here. All right, you get the point, though, right? You can't you can't prostitute the Holy Spirit in that way, but we think that way. You know, one of the incredible points that Pastor Steve made is he says. Um, there's only one reference in the Bible, it's in Malachi, that says when you give back to God, you give, you give 10%. You give the first fruits off the top, 10%. And that's, that's the standard that we all kind of go off of. And then Paul tweaks it a bit, and he says, you need to give in proportion to how you were blessed. That's an interesting quote, right? So um, that's not a better deal, folks. You want the flat tax. Do you know what I'm saying? You want the flat tax. The 10 percent's is better because God has blessed us in incredible ways. And so if you are going to prayerfully consider, you know, okay, what percent do I need to give back to the Lord because it's all his? What is it? You know, for some of you, it's the 10. Some of you might be more. I don't know. Um, I do know that people give sacrificially, and the ones that do are the ones that have been blessed in the past, where somebody has helped them in incredible ways, where they have been down and out, where they have been poor, where they have been where they have suffered, and, and, and somebody actually cared and helped them. Or <laughs> They actually saw a miracle happen to their life, and they said, hey, look, this isn't mine. I've been saved. I've been redeemed, and this is it. One of the interesting, uh, do we have any people that go all the way back to Upland High School? Raise your hand if you go back to Upland High School. No, not you. The, we did church at Upland High School. Well, Yeah, it's okay. That's all right. How many people did church at Upland High School? Okay. It's a few of us. Good. Um, There was a lady, I forgot her name, but she was a homeless gal and she was a character. She wore camouflage fatigues. What was her name? Do you remember her name? You don't? Okay. She was a character. I mean, she drove everybody crazy. And uh, one day we were passing the offering baskets and they were talking about giving. And so she takes a bite out of an apple. She puts it in the basket and the usher's like, what what are you doing? She's like, that's my 10%. (laughs) Yeah. Um, When a pastor wouldn't receive the bribe check from the individual, I was the business pastor, right? I got the electric bill to pay, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, what are you doing? He says "The, the kingdom of God doesn't run on bribes, it runs off the widow's might. What's the widow's might? It's it's that, look, I got this piece of fruit, this is all I've got. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give it. What? Who does that? People that have been blessed do that. Well, Alright, so you can't buy God. Now last point. Our hearts are desperately wicked. You might be a generous person naturally by nature, like you love to give Christmas presents, somebody like to give Christmas presents and you open up the present and see people excited, that makes you feel good on the inside. Okay, that, that does happen, okay? Um, but we don't have the capability to give well because in Romans twelve it's a spiritual gift. So if you feel uncomfortable about giving or if you feel like you're giving out of fear or there's no joy in it, uh, you haven't received the gift, the spiritual gift. If you're like, eh, just, you know, if you're making up all kinds of excuses and stuff like that, you haven't received the spiritual gift. It's not in your heart to give. You're a Martha and not a Mary. Mary. Jeremiah says, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can understand its depths? This this goes against everything in our culture, especially where people say, well, I think I'm a good person deep down inside. Pastor will tell you, no, you're not. (laughs) No, you're not. You strip away all the false facades. We're all wicked people. And the only hope for us is to allow this indwelt spirit to minister in us and then through us. It's, Mary did it at the Annunciation. Mary, the mother of God, did it. Spoke to her. God spoke to her. He put this seed in her heart that she's going to have this promise, the Messiah, the, the, the Savior of the world is going to be in her and she is blessed among all women. And, she kept it she pondered it she treasured it in her heart for 30 years no miracles it doesn't say that she got any provision after you know after the wise men brought their gifts joseph isn't in the picture he's he's gone silent after nativity we don't know if he's died. We don't know if he got fed up and run off. I doubt that. But you know what I'm saying? He's just not in there. Mary's provider is gone. She's a first century Jew and a woman. She's a widow. And then she's got this crazy son that wants to go into ministry. She's going to starve for the rest of her life. she kept that promise. She pondered it. There was a hope there. And yes, God doesn't owe you. Yes, you can't buy God. But if you don't ask, you don't receive. And Mary decided that she was going to ask when she wanted her to have a great party. Jesus's first miracle right out of the gate was at a wedding feast where he turns the water into wine. Mary petitions God to move Jesus. Okay, this is a really hard concept to understand. Why would Jesus be a bartender at his first miracle? And he even makes the complaint. Mary says, Look, we ran out of wine. You're going to do something about it. Jesus says, Woman, don't bother me. My time has not come. I don't do parlor tricks. This, is, this isn't the kind of miracle that I'm scheduled to do. She's like, yeah, but I need provision right here, right now, and I'm going to call the card because I've pondered this in my heart for 30 years. Uh, this is what I want. She was it in God's will to make the wine at a party. I don't know. But we, what we do know throughout the scripture is people of godly character, I'm going to emphasize that word character, who have been patient and have been diligent and have been faithful can change God's mind. Read the Bible. Moses did it. Abraham did it. Mary did it. That's a hard one to get, isn't it? And so we have... I don't want to say we have that ability, but we have that place when we begin to step into who our identities truly are. And the only way that you can find out your true identity is if you forsake the darkness in your heart, those base desires that drive you, and you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and do its work. I actually want to read the Jeremiah verse, because it kind of speaks to the whole issue. Uh, Jeremiah 17 Verse 7. This is the issue of getting over that fear of being provided for. Verse 7. 17, verse 7. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Okay? You'll be blessed if you put your trust in him. Whose confidence is in him. Confidence is the opposite of fear. Confidence is the opposite of insecurity. And we have the ability to tap into God's confidence right here, right now. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Do you fear when the heat comes? Are you worried? Are you busy? Are you frantic? Are you trying to put all the pieces together when the heat comes? The heat is going to come. You don't have to fear it. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Here's the here's the key. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. You can't fix your heart. Who can understand it? Not your psychologist. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. So he's the, the, you allow God in. He's going to search your heart. The stuff that you don't know about yourself. He turns on the light in the darkest places of who you are, and he's searching, and he's exposing, and he's stripping away. And the mind. The heart is your spirit. The mind the mind is your flesh. The mind is what studies the Bible. The heart is what hears the word of God. Do you see the difference? Through the mind I can read the idiot's guide to Mako, but only through the heart can I love her with my whole being. according to what his deeds deserve. So God's going to come in, and this is the thing, you've got to let him do his work deep down inside of you because giving is a spiritual gift, and it needs to be planted there by the Holy Spirit. Even if you're a great gift giver, you might not have the spiritual gift of giving. It needs to be planted, and you need to nurture it, you need to grow it, You need to exercise it. It's a lot like faith. Faith, you've got just enough faith. You've got just enough belief to step over that line. The man said it to Jesus clearly. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So you've got enough faith to be introduced to Jesus. But the rest of your faith, the faith that you walk in, that comes from the Lord. Did you know that? That faith is a gift from the Lord. Giving is a gift from the Lord. Healing is a gift from the Lord. Hearing God's voice, prophetic, that's a gift too. Stuff you can't earn, you can't get a degree in it, it's a gift from God because He gives. And see, we've got to think about the currency of spirituality in different ways. This is, this, is the, this, is the, this is the Darwin mindset. This is the dog-eat-dog the dog mindset when it comes to how we see spirituality because our currency is cash and time, right? That's how, our, that's how our world works. Our world works with cash and time. Time is money. But see, in God's kingdom, time and money don't buy anything. The widow's might that is sowed in faith, that changes the world, not the cash. It's the widow's might. It's the stepping out of faith. See, our currency, cash and time, God has one currency, and it is the blood of his son. It's the blood of his son. That's what pays for everything. That's what paid for your soul. You see, (laughs) in some way, God's a little bit like me. He's got really expensive taste. We're not a pair of fancy shoes. We are his treasure. He's got really expensive taste. You guys are very valuable extremely valuable, and he'll bankrupt heaven to get you. He'll sacrifice his son. He will die on a cross. He will shed his blood because you're worth it. Because you're that valuable to him. He can't buy you with favors and money and you know, cars and white picket fences. He doesn't want to buy you that way. He wants to buy you with the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that is where life is. Life is in the blood. His currency is his son's blood. Look, I had the band and the ushers to come to the front. I am so proud of our church we give and give and give and those that are here and that are faithful that are diligent they're after after a relationship with God are you not? you're done with religion, you tried it, it didn't work You might have read this this week or last night. Last night, I was blessed with one of the most amazing encounters that I want you all to know about. As you know, I was at Albertson's last night collecting food for families in need for Thanksgiving. Next to the store is a recycling center. This man walked up to my daughter and asked, what are you selling? Now, this man was in a yucky, messed up clothes and smelled, and you could see how, you could see that he was homeless. My beautiful daughter didn't look at what the adults looked down on, and she told him that we were doing it and asked if he was hungry. The man just turned, the excuse me, the man, he just turned in his cans, and it was so good, and it, and it was good. He thanked her, and then he went into the grocery store. Fifteen minutes later, the man came back out and handed us bags and bags full of cans. He told my daughter, I may be homeless, but I've been blessed with people who feed me, and now God's letting me feed someone else. I asked him if I could hug him because I couldn't hold back the tears at his amazing gesture. After he, after he had the biggest smile on his face, he thanked me for the hug. I have never felt so humble. Thank you, God, for that gift. This is somebody in our church that was serving. Homeless guy, collects cans, cashed in at the, at the grocery store, went in and bought food for the people that, that we serve in this area. Look. We need to quit trying to buy God and we need to let God buy us. Does that make sense? You need to allow God to buy you. Again, you're better than my shoes. You're better than any luxury item. You're better than the Rolex. You are a treasure in God's storehouse and he wants to buy you with his blood but you won't let him. And that's the call. Let him buy you. You're worth it. You're extremely valuable. You're extremely praised. You are God's masterpiece. And he desires you among anything else. Let's pray. God, right now, I thank you so much for the heart of our church that it is diligently seeking to strip away religion and system and karma out of our lives. We're after grace. We're after what your son did on the cross for us. We want the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of our hearts, mingling with our spirit, changing and transforming this desperately wicked heart so that we can put your gifts in there, that we can function in spiritual gifts that will not only transform us, but it'll transform our families, that it'll transform our communities and our friends. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. May we see receive your spirit afresh. may we be good stewards of what you've given us. Amen.